Once again, good morning. Please turn with me in your Bibles, the book of Ephesians, chapter number 5. That's where our scripture reading is taken this morning. And we will read together from verse number 22 to verse 33. We have labored and we've been looking at the marks of a spirit-filled family. And last week we examined and we completed looking at the marks of a spirit-filled wife. That she who has been redeemed has been endowed with dignity by her Lord and her Savior, yet she has duties to fulfill and accomplish in the home, empowered by the Holy Spirit, not by ESCOM. Amen? That she is to constantly Walk as a God-fearing woman, not as one who has Lord sheddings. By the roles of a woman are executed in the assumption or with the assumption that she is married to her husband. She is expected by God to submit as such. The man is by design, not duty. And I'm going to explain that. He is expected to lead and to love his wife. But we are living in a world that's so sinful and has been marred by sin. You and I can attest to that fact. If I would ask you as to what would be the ideal family... Among us, the things you will point out, you will say, an ideal family is one where there is peace and harmony. One where we would meet together over a meal almost every day. Where the husband is taking his responsibilities with joy and not with grumpiness. But we are faced with a great challenge today, like the people of God in the book of 1 Samuel. That God's people in the book of 1 Samuel, as they were under the leadership and the reign of God, desired a king of their choosing. Having been redeemed from the land of Egypt, they wanted a king like all other nations. And as I've been wrestling with this particular topic, I realize that we have not changed. We may look so sophisticated with all the phones, with all the TVs, with all the fashion they bring, as my brothers would call it, the creeps. Uh, we may look so sophisticated with all the fads that are being sold on TV. 
But we have also bought into the world ideas for some reason regarding even the marriage institution. We want to be like the world. We've bought into the assumption that spiritual concerns such as religious living and obedience to God, we have bought into the assumption that these things belong in the religious realm. While practices and issues such as parenting, marriage, peace in the community, peace in the home, we have for some reason believed a lie that such things are actually secular. The world must determine as to how we can live there. Like God's people in the book of 1 Samuel, they forgot that God had won their military victories. They did forget that the Lord was the one who brought them prosperity. They forgot that it was the Lord who created their nation. He was, an active in the, he was as active in the battlefield as he was in the worship service. They forgot all that. They did forget, actually, that the Lord God Almighty was concerned over the political affairs as he was concerned over the social, spiritual affairs of the nations. And as we see it, our concern and our desire is to see homes that are led by God, is to see homes in whose place God is held as one who is the author of it all. But lo and behold, we have taken him and we have given him the last seat. If I may use the analogy of a car, to other people, God is the spare wheel. He's only needed when there's emergency. He is not a pilot. If I may use the travel analogy, to many, God is an excess baggage. How did we get there? What is needed and what is missing in our homes? Why have we forgotten that God is the author of human relationships? Why have we forgotten that he has established laws in relationships that we have actually no mandate at all to change them, even with the passing of time? What is the missing link in all this? The missing link in all this is leadership. And if I may, as it was in the book of Genesis chapter 3, my sermon this morning is simply this. As God who came in the Garden of Eden, He did not come to ask of Eve. My sermon and my appeal this morning is to ask of men, where are you? Adam, where are you? As we see the corruption in the society, the question is, Adam, 
Where are you? Abuse in the home. We ask the question, Adam, where are you? What is it that God expects of men? Stand on your feet as we read together from the book of Ephesians, therefore. Reading from Ephesians chapter number 2, from verse 22 to verse 33. Hear the word of the Lord. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body. And he himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and he gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her with having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle Or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish in the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies he who loves his wife loves himself for no one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound. And I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself. And let the wife see that she respects her husband. May God bless the reading and the preaching of his word. You may have your seat. As the Apostle Paul brings to us in verse number 32, speaks of this as a mystery that is profound. Such mysteries, it's worthwhile that they'll be unlocked for us, revealed to us by God himself through the Holy Spirit, 
So let us come before him and ask him to lead us and to guide us into all truth. Shall we pray together? Our glorious God and Savior, we bow before you this morning, acknowledging of our insufficiencies and our inadequacies. We are unable to understand your word, for the kind of mind is unable to grasp spiritual truths, for they are spiritually discerned. The mysteries, O oh God, you have hidden for ages. Now you have unfolded and unlocked them to us, revealed them to us. You have expounded them to us in your Son, Jesus. Yet no man knows the Son except through the Holy Spirit. So we do ask this morning that you will lead us by your Holy Spirit. Open our eyes that we may see Christ. And him glorified. Oh Lord, help me to uh, clearly explain your word uh, that Christ will be displayed in his visible nature as he has been revealed to us in this word. I pray, Father, for my dear brothers, those you have tasked, those you have assigned to the O oh God, position as husbands and fathers. Them I do entrust into your care this morning, that they may heed your truth. And they may, in the power of your spirit, execute their duties. It is therefore for the glory of Christ and the goodness of your bride we ask and we do pray. And may God's people say amen. Uh, the book of Ephesians, chapter number 5, verse number 22 to verse 33, outlines for us what I would call for the next three sermons, beginning with this one, the marks of a spirit-filled husband. And as we have looked at verse number 22, to verse number 33, it is clear, beloved, that as we have seen, wheresoever we are coming from, that our day and age presents to us the need of the crisis that's evident. That there is a void. That the man who is spoken of in Ephesians chapter number 5 Verse number 22 to verse number 33 is nowhere to be seen. Or we are able to see him, but he is not doing that which God has called him to. We have, as we have, I have said in my introduction, we have violated in some ways the ordained order or principle that God has set in place even in the family. As such, we have invited upon ourselves a disaster. Yes, we all believe that Jesus Christ is the Lord of all believers, whether they are at church or they are at work or they are at home. 
Yes, we have come to believe that yes, the kingdom of God is the rule of God in every area of life, including in the church, in the home, in the workplace, but also even in our neighborhood. We affirm those truths, but we ignore them. We profess one thing at a time, but we at many times neglect this. To our demise, that we ignore these truths when we come to this fear of marriage. And the crucial role as to how this is, even in a marriage context, if I may appeal to us, this is crucial for the sanity, for the peace, for the well-being of our society. If we miss it here, we miss everywhere, no matter how try we try to fix. And as a people, we must nurture, we must defend the biblical idea of what family is. Because biblically speaking, marriage we know this, and the scriptures reveal to us it is a permanent and exclusive union of one man and one woman for life. On this foundation, tough though it is to maintain, strong families and nations can be raised. Like it or not. If John would wake up tomorrow and he says that he's Georgina, and John wants to marry with George, we already are getting it wrong. You see, we are living in a world that has messed up. Not only do women don't know who they are, but even men don't know who they are. We have suppressed the truth for a lie. And of course, what we are given in the scripture, we are given a blueprint. A blueprint worth a while keeping. This, my dear brothers, is a mountain worthy dying for. Yes, many have messed up regarding this institution called marriage. Yes, many families have been ruined and they have been broken. But marriage cannot be sustained without spiritually or a spirituality that mandates love above lust. Submission as the secret of God, greatness. Meekness as the source of glory. Service as a pathway to power. If South Africa does not embrace these ideas, she will continue to pay a massive social, spiritual, economic price for sexual permissiveness of one or both partners in terms of slavery of women. We are going to continue to see weak children and men. We are going to see orphans as a result of HIV AIDS. We are going to see the, the spreading of other sexually transmitted diseases. If we do not heed the sanctity of marriage and we do not uphold what family ought to be, we are going to see the loss of our working generation. And with all these turbulence that are blowing, coming on this marriage or this 
entity called family, you and I have the mandate, both men and women of every age, you and I have the mandate. We need to be courageous enough, stand on the truths of God's word, and say we will guard this sanctity and this institution that was primary and first in the eyes of a holy God. Before there was a government, there was a family. Before there was a geopolitical party with all its ideologies, there was one man and one woman. But how do things go about in this institution? I'm glad you asked. Because the Apostle Paul has that for us this morning. Look at verse number 22 with me. Two things that we are going to examine in this whole text what the Lord is calling husbands, or what the God is calling men, simple two, two truths, God has designated that men ought to lead. That's how he has designed it. And the second part of this section, you're going to see verse number 22 to verse number 24, it's God's designation as to whom man is. In this particular section we are going to examine this morning, the next time, next week, we are going to look at the duties of this spirit-filled man. So the designation is that man is expected by God, by design, man is to lead. Then he has one duty. And the duty that he has is one, and that is to love his wife. Not complicated, you can see. That's how this text is outlined. Verse 22 to verse number 24. The designation. Then verse number 24, verse number 25, all the way to verse number 33. Those are the duties of this man. Let's examine then the designation as it is written here by God. Look at verse number 22 with me. Wives, Paul is calling wives to submit. Look at verse 22 with me. Wives... Submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Why? Look at verse 23 with me. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body. And he himself is Savior. Conclusion, verse 24, now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Examine that verse with me, that Paul here is clear as to how he designates, how he puts this particular Section. The husband is the leader in the home. It is this same man that his children, look at chapter number 6, his sons, his children are called to honor him. Look at those verbs as they are, they are found there. He, he, he is the head of a wife. Right? He is to protect and he is the one who purifies his wife in verse number 26. 
He is respected by his wife in verse number 33. Can you see that? Look at chapter number 6, verse number 1. He is a father who is obeyed by his children. In verse number 2 of chapter 6, he is honored by his children. And in verse number 4 of chapter 6, it is this man who is giving or is administering discipline and instructions to the children. Are you able to observe that? He is not commanded to lead. A husband as a head, it is a designation. He is designed by God to be the head. He is not, in this context, I want you to observe, he is not commanded to be the head. The queen just died. So let's apply the queen's language. Amen? In English, there are two categories of words, and you are going to find them in this particular section. They are what we call imperatives and indicatives. Imperatives in English are words which denotes commands, demands, and imperatives are words by implication which ought to be obeyed. However, indicatives are statements of fact. And you are going to see the apostle employing indicatives and imperatives in this section. For example, you look at Ephesians chapter number 1 all the way to chapter number 3. The apostle employs the indicatives. This is who we are in Christ. This is what Christ has done for us. We have been blessed in the heavenly places in him, chapter number 1. We have been made alive in him, in verse number 7 of chapter 2. We are seated with Christ at the right hand of God the Father. That's an indicative. Chapter number 3, the mysteries of the gospel have been revealed to us. You did nothing in order for you to win your salvation. Indicative. You were dead in your trespasses and in your sins, in which you once walked according to the prince of the power of the air, according to the spirit now at work in the sons of disobedience. Indicative. Like the rest of the world, you were by nature objects of God's wrath. That's the state of being. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, he made us alive together with Jesus Christ. Those are indicatives. But when you come to chapter number 4, then he says, I command you, therefore, to walk in a manner worthy of your call. That's an imperative. So what we have here, it's an indicative. Husbands, as the head of the home, it is a designation assigned to them by God. And the sense of word would affirm that God designed marriage. He designed marriage to be a covenant 
sexual, procreative, lifelong union of one man and one woman. And this designation by God, he has designed it that man would lead in the home. And who is a leader? According to this verse, every statement that you see there, look at all the statements. Let me remind you. The, the, the Lord calling the wife to submit to the husband. There's a designation that the, the husband is the head of the wife in verse number 23. The man who is respected, respect that is receiving from the wife. All these words. All these actions, all these statements, they reveal that the one who is receiving such responses is one who is taking the leading role. He is supposed in his home as a man, he is supposed to issue and to offer discipline to his sons and to his daughters. Verse number 4 of chapter number 6. Because a leader... According to George Berner, a leader, listen to this definition, and I quote, a leader is someone who is called by God to lead. He leads with and through Christ-like character. And he demonstrates the functional competences that permits effective leadership to take place. So this man who is placed in this family, this man who is placed in this union called marriage, by God's design, not by his own appointment. I want to see to show you that. It is not a command that the Lord is asking the man to obey. It is a character that the man is expected to embody and express. And the central task of leadership is influencing God's people towards God's purposes. But we know that although God originally designed it, is that there will be these distinctions between male and female, and that he has ordained those distinctive roles in the marriage family, that there is this created order that should find echo in every human heart, we know for a fact that that's how it was meant to be. Genesis chapter 1 and chapter number 2. Let's go to Genesis chapter number 2 for a moment. Let's look at this designation. Because the husband is by design a leader. That's what the Lord expects. And we see it from Genesis. In chapter number 1, we are told, verse number 26, with regards to dignity, they all have the imprint of the image of God. They are image bearers. Verse 26 tells us, God said, let us make man in our image. After our likeness, 
And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created he, them, male and female, he created them. Verse 28, and God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I've given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree, every tree with seed in its fruit you shall have them for food. So with regards to their design, here's what I want you to, 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 to have in mind. They all are made in the image of God. But with regards to the way that this design is going to look like, chapter number 2 gives us the layout of that. Look at chapter number 2. Verse number 15, we are told what happened and what transpired on day number 6. The Lord God took the man, he put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat every tree in the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. Now make this observation with me. See this. As you see in chapter number 2, verse number 15, man spoken of here is Adam as the male. He is the one whom God is making from the ground and is placing him in the garden of Eden as the first one also to receive the instructions. By implication, he is expected that he will take these instructions and he will be able to give the instructions to his wife. Later on, we are told in verse number 18 that the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. What does he do? He says, And I will make a helper fit for him. And like he has done with all the other creatures that he had made, he brings this woman whom God had made, verse 21, the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, he took of his ribs, closed up its place with flesh, and the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made it into a woman. He brought her to the man. And I want you to see the pattern there. Because in the similar fashion that the Lord had given Adam the authority that he was able to name the animals and all the other creatures that were given to him as the woman is brought to Adam, Adam has this role that he is the one who is naming who she is. She is taken from him. And this is the pattern that the man is made first 
and not the woman. And that order of creation ought to be observed and must be taken into consideration regarding this particular role that the man plays as a leader. He is not commanded to lead. He has been created to lead. Leading not just a, is, is not just a man's duty. It is his design. Such that then, as we come to the issue regarding marriage, we know that things do not take long. That in chapter number three, sin comes in. And with the ramifications of sin, as sin enters into the world, sin affects man at core. Such that this same man who is meant to lead in his home as a loving husband, as one who is humble in his headship, is that humble leadership tends to be replaced with domination. You see, the role of man to lead has not come as a result of the fall, because that's what feminists would say. Feminists would tell us to say that, no, actually man is somehow leading and must lead, because after the fall, man's role and man's duty changes. Beloved, what do we see in the scripture? The scriptures are clear. The scriptures presents to us that Adam has been given authority by God. His authority is a delegated authority, like all other authorities. Such that in this spirit-filled man, as we're seeing here, that these divinely ordained differences, he acknowledges that, yes, the four had marred my image. This man, as he's commanded here, to, that the wife is commanded to as well, to submit to that the wife may submit with all respect the man whom God is expecting you to be is a kind of man who understands that your leadership was ordained way before the fall. It is a designated authority. It is a delegated one. So then, as we see in our society today, we know for a fact that the family is the cornerstone of every society. It has been said that so goes the family, so goes the world. It can also be said that so goes the father, so goes the family. So then the role of men in their families is so important. It is so important that God honored it by conferring upon us the, his own title, Father. But yet these fathers who are here in question are men who have been affected by sin. 
in need of redemption, in need of the gospel, such that then if you are to lead your home, and if you are to execute your God-given role and task, it is not going to be executed through some man-centered sentimentality. You see, in order for us to be able to lead our homes well, in order for men to be able to take this task of leading their wives in a humble way, leading their wives in a sanctified manner, leading their wives in a God-ordained way, it is the kind of leadership that is Christ-like. And that necessitates that the gospel of Christ then must take its first and foremost effect in the heart of that man. If he is not subdued by the gospel, he will try to live for himself. Or he will try to entertain some programs by some psychologist out in the world, or some 10 steps on how to be a loving father. You see, what a man who's been assigned by this holy God needs, this man needs the good news of the gospel. Look at chapter number 5, verse number 24 with me. Because the wife is submitting to him. How? In what manner? As Christ is the head of the church. And the standard there is, is raised already. It is raised so high that you and I as men, we, we have nowhere to look but to Christ. We have nowhere to run but to Christ. And it causes us then to embody the gospel. Because what you're seeing here, this is not a sentimental household issue. I want you to see here, what God, is, what God is concerned with here, He is not concerned, if I may even be point blank, He is not concerned about the happiness of your home. Hmm. He's concerned about with the holiness of your heart. Are you conforming to Him? Because you may seek for your happiness, yet you are being so self Focus. You may be pursuing the, the joy of your home. You, you want your kids to be number one. You want your kids to be excelling. You want your wife to be the Proverbs, the one woman who says, Oh, my Lord. But you do not see Christ. You see, the heart of all religions, all religions are the heart. They, they have good advice. All religions. All other religions have good techniques. They have good programs. They have good ideas. Good support systems. And these things, although they may be good in and of themselves, they, they also have a tendency, even among us who are Bible-based Spirit-filled believers, they drive us deep into ourselves. 
to find our inner light, we call it, our inner goodness, our inner voice, our inner resources. We try to search for new information every day. But there is no inner, deeper rescue for our souls in these things. So you do not just need good news, sir. What you need is not a happy home. You need a holy home. And in order for you to attend to that holiness, there is only one way, and that way is in the good news of Jesus Christ. So God has designated that. A godly husband then is to lead his home. You are to lead your family, though so many have assumed this particular type of leadership to mean that they would have to be harsh. They, they will have to, to be domineering. But what a godly husband, and what this title designated here, the husband is to be the head of his wife in the same way that Christ is the head of the church. What kind of headship did Christ offer the church? Was it a harsh or a loving headship? Was Christ imposing himself or was he gentle? Was Christ proud or was he humble? Was Christ so self-seeking or was he self-giving? Christ loved the church. He never did anything harsh to her. He never did anything unfitting. He never did anything angry or unjust. He loved the church so much, he counted it as more precious than his own life. That's how Christ counted the church. He gave up his own life so that she might live. So then what the Lord is saying in this designation, the bar is set so high, so high, so that for this spirit-filled husband to attain that leading role, he can, he can only attain it if he begins at the foot of the cross. All other ways and means are but done. Sir, lead your home. What kind of a leader are you? Or maybe should I ask this question, how are you leading? Are you leading in a Christ-like manner? Or are you leading according to the standards of this world? Do you know the weightiness of this task which the Lord has assigned to you? The word that is used here, that Christ laying himself down for his bride, denotes that your kind of leadership ought to be a servant type of leadership, a sacrificial leadership. It will cost you. But yet it must be consistent, it must be courageous, and it must be a kind of leadership whose convictions are grounded in the gospel of the crucified Savior. 
There's a special sense of responsibility that has been assigned to you. And you must be assured of this. There will be no wife who is going to be sorry that she married a man who is like Jesus. Because when God designs a thing like marriage, He designs it for His glory and for our good. And your leading your wife is a good thing. It's a very good thing. So Adam, where are you? Are you taking a cover that your wife is running the show? Or are you leading? Are you the kind of a husband who is making the best use of your time? Because you know that the days are evil. At any day, your master will summon you, and you would have to give account as to how you led your home. Sooner, your wife may depart, and she would have to stand before your master, blameless, without spot, in his present. And that master who entrusted you this role as a leader, this delegated authority. You see, this master would have to look at her. And guess what? If she is found wanting, you will be held responsible. Sooner, your sons, your daughters will move out of your home. They will be ushered into the presence of their creator. Oh, they will graduate and they'll get married. Will they stand as genius young men or women? yet void of eternal truths of the gospel? Will they stand as competent sportsmen, yet incompetent in the spiritual matters of the kingdom of God? Will they stand as those whose father prepared them for life and godliness with great joy, or will they tremble and mourn that dad prepared them for vanity? What are you preparing your kids for? Is it eternal? Or is it just for this life? Are you instructing them in the instructions of the Lord? Do you know that you'll be held responsible and accountable? And if your house is falling apart, you are the one responsible for that, man. So may godly men rise up and take their stance. Kneel down and ask the Lord to fill them with the Holy Spirit. Bust with the gospel, let them say, nothing in my hands I bring, only to the cross of Christ our King. May they, with a sense of awe, fix their eyes on Jesus Christ, the champion of our salvation, the true leader, man of men. He is the one who came, become a man, so that in him we may see what it means to lead a home. Adam, where are are you. May you be found in Christ. Because in him you have forgiveness of sins. In him you have the adoption from the Father. Chapter 1. In him you are made alive together with Jesus. In him you are sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. In him therefore you stand courageous as that soldier in chapter number 3. Waging war against the forces of the evil one even against your very family. Let's bow our heads and we pray.
our glorious God and Savior, we do ask that your Holy Spirit would empower us as men and trust my dear brothers. Lord, we confess, we confess. I speak as a poor beggar calling my fellow beggars to you, the bread of life. I speak like that reaper and those four lepers crying out, we die, we die, even if it means to trust you. So help us. That you may wake us, O oh Father, to the responsibility and the privileges of being family shepherds. That we may see households transforming as fathers take their hymn and they begin to lead and disciple their wives and their children. That's our desire. In what awaits us, we are impassed by your Holy Spirit. Where we are weak, be our strengths. Where we are foolish, be our wisdom. Give us grace, grace, Lord, to devote ourselves to prayer as men, devote ourselves to your word, that we may daily be amazed, stand in awe of the gospel truth. That we may love our eyes, that Christ loved the church. We may lead our homes like Christ leads the church. In his name we ask and we pray. May God's people say amen.